0: Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, check out NHTE.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at NHTE.net. In addition to what's listed there, the show is also on the likes of Overcast, Himalaya, PodCoin, Player FM, and more. Joining me today on location at the Summer Nam Show in Nashville, my guest is a multi-instrumentalist known best for his guitar skills. Guitar World Magazine says he is a, quote, must-see act, end quote, and he has been praised by Bootsy Collins for his funk. He has a combined social media following that tops one million, and he is the founder of Roots Music School here in Nashville. You've been hearing a song of his called Bootleg Turn. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Justin Johnson. Hey, good to be here, Bruce. Hey, everybody out there. Thanks for making time to do this. I appreciate it. Looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Cool. Well, let's have you talk first about that song that we were just playing from your Driving It Down album called Bootleg Turn. Well, uh, Bootleg Turn and, well, I guess Driving It Down, the album as
1: a whole is uh, is designed to be the ultimate road trip album, you know, and that track, I think, is a good way of summing that up, you know, When like, uh, for example, like my, my wife Nikki and I lived on the road full time for uh, a little over five years in a small little uh, beat up old <laughs> repo RV that we got years <laughs> back. And, you know, one of the things that you always are uh, so thankful for on a long road trip is that song that comes on the radio that just kind of keeps you going, you know, on a long haul. And uh, we, we just custom tailored that whole Driving It Down album to be that kind of soundtrack, you know, that's going to you just kind of lose track of time and you got a long highway in front of
0: you and it just makes you feel good about driving down that stretch, you know? Nice. Nice. Well, for the listeners that are just being introduced to you, we've been fortunate to get listeners from 147 countries around the world to this show. You played many instruments in high school band and you gravitated toward guitar, but what instruments plural were you playing and and do you still play any of those other ones? I love every instrument.
1: I think every instrument is just another way for someone to express themselves, you know. But of course, I found that for me personally, there were certain instruments that when I picked them up, it just felt like this is something for me, you know. This is like a a way for me to to express myself and communicate. Um, there were there were always instruments around the house when I grew up. I'm lucky that my uh, my mom especially was, is a musical person. We had a musical family, so. Uh, you know uh, I played piano when I was a kid I took a few lessons when I was really young on piano um, there was a, a few trumpets lying around my my grandpa actually he was a wow. trumpet player in the army band in World War II he taught trumpet his whole life and uh, I played trumpet you know for a few years that was my instrument and baritone and brass instruments and but I'll tell you when um, there was an old uh, beat up old Stella guitar lying around and something about that always fascinated me and I I only picked it up a few times. It was one of the first instruments I ever played because it only had one st- string on it. It was kind of like a decoration. <laughs> no one knew where it came from, really, I've asked. And uh, I remember playing Louie Louie on it. I think that was the first song <laughs> I ever played, just kind of pounding that out on the one string. But when I got my first six-string guitar, like it was actually set up and, and playable. Um, I was around high school age, and uh, it just it was like... My second skin, you know, it was like my, my those were my vocal cords, you know. Uh, there was something I could do on guitar that I couldn't even do talking. I couldn't do communicating in any other way, like it. and it just I felt like natural.
0: It. I like that expression. Last week on the show, the guys from the band Frontier, one of them is a 7th grade history teacher, and it seems like every so often we get someone that comes through that mentions that old teacher of theirs that really got them in. You said that the band director noticed your talent quickly. How much influence did he have on your choice to go all in with music? Well, I think, you know, what. I think what's great about teachers
1: and why it's so important to have music education in school is because if, a, if someone who maybe has a propensity to do something is encouraged to do it at the right moment in their life, when they're looking for what they're going to do and what they're interested in, and someone says, you know, you're good at that, you should, you should take it more seriously— a lot of times there might not be a lot of people saying that to them, or they, they might not know what they're good at, or you know, and I think that was the case with me where I liked music, and, you know, like I said on trumpet, that was an instrument I was playing in school before guitar, and I didn't especially just, like, love trumpet, you know. It wasn't like I wanted to rush home and just practice trumpet. Um, but because I was encouraged to play it, and because... Um, you know, the director was saying, well, you're great at it, you know, and I was first trumpet and first baritone when I played that, it encouraged me to get more serious about music and just think about it as something, you know, that I identified with. And so when I found the guitar and it became that, that instrument that I did want to practice all the time, you know, I wanted to, I'd I'd fall asleep with it, you know, and I'd I'd wake (laughs) up next to it and I'd just be playing it hours and hours every day. Um, I think that that had a large part to play in that. It's just like knowing that music was something I was good at, something that I was encouraged to do. And, and um, you know, that makes a huge difference with, with, I think, everyone who has that person in their life at that important time when they're young, growing yeah, up. And
0: I always tell people that your parents are going to tell you that you're great because they're your parents and they <laughs> love you and they're trying to some extent to encourage you. But I always tell people, you got to get yourself out to where an uninterested third party is listening to your voice, listening to your instrument, listening to your talent. If they start to tell you, and I'm not talking about a judge who's in some contest that they're just a paying sponsor (laughs) of the event. They're going to say nice things to everybody. But if someone that knows what they're talking about that has no ulterior motive and they have no connection, no attachment to you starts to tell you you're good, you want to listen to that and say, okay, maybe there's something to this after all. But you went on to, your bio says that you were touring nonstop for five years, playing shows every night of the week for audiences from 10 to 10,000, and venues from rural dive bars to international festival stages. Talk about that experience. Well, you know, that was, um, it's, it's just, you know,
1: I, w- I was always shy as a kid growing up, and um, I think the guitar and, and wanting to perform really got me out of that, um, you know, that little shell that I was in. And uh, when it came to performing, I was just al- i just always wanted to every day, every night, you know. And I've, I've just played thousands and thousands of, of shows, and um, especially when I, like I mentioned, my wife Nikki, when we met, it was when at the time I think I was playing in about ten different bands at the same time, you know. Again, because I wanted to play everything, I wanted to play everything on bluegrass, didn't of a country reggae rock and roll you know big band uh, i was playing in every kind of genre i could think of anyone who would let me in and uh let me go on stage with him basically but when nikki and i met um we wanted to make our own life together we wanted to go where we wanted to go and and um not be limited by anything and that's when i started performing solo and so um that really is what took us around the world and. I mean, again, we could we could decide if we're in this area, let's go find a show in this area, you know. Let's let's book all over the country. Let's find a new continent. Let's let's book all over that country, you know, that continent. And so um, that's really where the uh, the world adventure began, and where that, you know, that that uh, I remember one of the first really uh, big festivals that I performed solo. Um, I I played you know big shows before in band contexts and that kind of thing, but when uh, Nick and I Oh, uh, it was down at uh, Port Ferry Folk Festival in Australia. It's the biggest folk festival in Australia. And uh just thousands and thousands of people and it's it's so much different when I'm the only person on stage, you know. And um but then there's that feeling like especially at that time, you know, I think our next show that we played after that cuz we were picking up every gig we could while we were in that country, um might have had 30 or 40 people at wow. it, you know. Wow. And so It's important, I think, and it's a really humbling experience as you're putting that in. You know, it's about the passion you have for it. It's not about, that's when it kind of defines, is this about your ego or is this about your passion? You know, are you doing this because you just want to be in front of a lot of people or because this is what you want to be doing every night of the week or as often as you can? And I think it's those defining moments that I think round out the character of performers, keep people grounded and um, keep you hungry, but also make you really appreciate those shows where you can really, like... It's, it's really magical, you know, when you're, when you're doing those kinds of shows, too. And so I think not forgetting that is a big part of growing as a musician and as a performer, you know?
0: And listeners, if you're just being introduced to Justin for the first time, you just heard all about these travels all over the place, but you're actually originally from North Carolina. So what made you decide to put down Roots in Nashville? Well, um... I'm actually originally from
1: Southern California, and, um, ah. but uh, Nikki and I met in North Carolina, and that's really where I started performing was North Carolina, so I think musically I'm from North Carolina in a lot of ways, and uh, but, um, you know, Nashville, when, when we were touring full time, uh, I was t- performing solo, Nikki and I were living in that RV, um, it was great, the adventure of it was great, and we got to see all of the places that I'd heard about or read about or wanted to go to that inspired me musically, like you know Mississippi and New Orleans and you know Memphis, Chicago, all these great blues towns and all these places like that, Texas and but when we came to Nashville it it's like this is this is a place that has it all. This is a place that has more of the elements we do want with less of the elements we don't want. You know, it's it's a huge music metropolis but at the same time you can get out to the country. If you're downtown, you can be out in the country in a few minutes, you know. And so um, it's just a, a really great creative place, and it's especially the culture of it right now is something that's truly amazing, I think artistically in general, not just with music and culturally. So it really just inspires us continually. It's great people. You, you can throw a rock and hit a recording studio, and uh, I don't recommend it, but uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those cool places that that constantly surprises me and inspires me.
0: Yeah, and listeners, I can echo what he's saying as it relates to you don't have to drive far to feel that you're out in the middle of nowhere. If you are, have been with this show for a long time, you might remember when I interviewed Matt Sherrod, the drummer for Crowded House, and came to Nashville one time and Matt said, look me up. I went out to his place, and actually, that's where I ended up doing the interview that you might have heard with William Crichton, who is from Australia. But Matt's out in the middle of nowhere and left from downtown, and maybe he was 25 minutes away, and you're exactly right. It feels like, am I still in Nashville? (laughs) Yeah, it's a whole other world. It's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Well, you say that you can play anything with strings. Listeners, hopefully you're familiar if I say cigar box guitar, but I've even recently seen a video... Have you playing a three-string guitar made from a shovel. <laughs> How did you get started with, with these, I'll say, creative or, or non-traditional guitars? Well, you know, it's funny. It's like non-traditional. Uh, it's almost the
1: opposite. It's like these are traditional guitars in a lot of ways. Even if it's something that maybe wasn't traditionally done, like a shovel guitar, the culture of that and the art of that, the concept and philosophy of building an object out of found objects is where guitars came from you know and that's what fascinates me about it and that's what i'm all about i think both musically but also when it comes to building guitars and you know is going back to the roots of this tradition of playing music or building instruments music in general you go back to where it starts from and that's where you can draw something new from you know um from the seed you know what i mean from the roots and um and I think that you end up getting a deeper reward. At least I do personally when I when I take that approach to it. You know, for example, the three string shovel guitar. Um, it's a it's a guitar. It it sounds plays amazing. You know, and it and it's you might think it sounds uh, like something you wouldn't expect when you first hear it, like making like stringing up a, a shovel and making it into a playable instrument but when you do this a lot and you like I have and you've played thousands of instruments made out of you know everything from cigar boxes and tools and you know microwaves <laughs> you know skateboards <laughs> and you know like uh anything um part of it's just for fun but then you think like well every once in a while you think man this sounds incredible like this has this is an instrument this is an instrument that there's no factory built guitar that has this feel and has this um music that's inside of it and that was what surprised me about the shovel, I think, when I first started playing it. And, I mean, I know it's true at this point because, you know, there's a video I posted. A lot of people, uh, I think it's where the most people have probably heard of me for the first time uh, who found out about me maybe on the Internet. And um, uh, I was just making a song up on this three-string shovel that somebody built for me and uh, just played it and we filmed it and we posted it online. And um, I think that original video's got over 40 million views hmm. now. And um, I think across the board, everywhere it's been posted, it has around 100 million views. Wow. Um, And it's just something that, you know, I've been surprised by how much this resonates with people and how much the combination of people seeing this instrument that they don't expect to sound good and then actually hearing how good it sounds and that you can treat it like a serious instrument and you can play serious music on it. and. I think the combination of that helps broaden people's perspective about what it, what a guitar is and what it means to play music and what it means, you know, because you pick up a six-string, let's say you pick up a Les Paul, and you kind of have this feeling like I got to be Jimmy Page or I got to be Slash, you know, and like, not not really, but it's like, you know, I think some people think there are rules associated with this instrument. There's, you know, decades and decades of tradition that have put this sound in my head of what i have to perform like when i pick up a a traditional six string guitar but when you pick up a really uh kind of humble homemade instrument or even better if you make it yourself none of those rules apply anymore you play it and you just feel excited that first note you hit you're like wow this is really this is actually an (laughs) instrument this is music i made this is cool and so that's what those you know that's what a lot of my heroes i think felt like um You know, people like Muddy Waters, Elmore James, Blind Willie Johnson, uh, B.B. King, Buddy Guy, they all started out on homemade instruments. You know, when you read their biographies or you listen to interviews by them, they started out on those instruments because they wanted to make music and there was nothing else around and they could do that, you know. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, those are the musicians that taught me how to play guitar. And in a way, it's kind of like reverse engineering how they started, you know, because I didn't start out on a homemade instrument, but I ended up on homemade instruments in a lot of ways, And, and it was because of that, I think. Well
0: said. And, you know, I remember when I was first being taught how to play guitar we were only a handful of lessons in before the guy that I was learning from said, I'm going to teach you a lot of stuff. There are some rules that I'm going to teach you about, but there really are no rules. Mm -hmm. And so you're just taking that one step further and saying, there's really not when I built it myself and it's three strings. So it looks non-traditional. I'm just doing my own thing. But you know, you said something in there that I really liked because I was a little hung up on your behalf over, (sighs) I get a little sad for lack of a better word, when someone finds someone who's doing something, if you understand the spirit within which I'm saying this, when someone's doing something that looks gimmicky, and all of a sudden it's, oh, Justin Johnson, that's the guy that does the shovel guitars with three strings. It's like, yeah, he's the one that does it, but oh my gosh, like don't associate him with that. Like, like please appreciate and le- and let that be the vehicle to let you in to learn about his body of work and to go back and hear everything else he did before that. Like, if that's what got you introduced to him, great, but please don't paint me, I'm saying this out here, yeah, yeah. please don't paint me as the shovel guitar guy, yeah, because yeah. that's just, you know, one of the many tricks in my bag. Exactly, and I, you know, I, I, that's really well put,
1: and I, I, you know, I appreciate you having that perspective on it, and I think most people do feel that way, and even if they might think, like, and that's the funny thing, and people have told me this just time and time again, is that maybe they'll see that video online, it'll pop up, you know, on Facebook or something like that, and they'll think, like, oh, that's, That's sort of silly, you know what I mean? Or or gimmicky, like you said. And then they listen to it. And I think the the reason that that particular performance um, inspires people is because when you listen to it, it surprises you that it doesn't sound gimmicky, you know, when you hear it. And you start thinking like, man, that it's like, wow, that's something that really is reminiscent. It's like, it sounds like awesome you know it's like an awesome guitar it the tone of it's great the feel of it's great and honestly like the songs that i play on instruments like that you can't play on the six string guitar you have to have the string spacing and the the you know the no frets you have to it's, it's like a lap steel with three strings that are wider apart that you play like a guitar and there's certain qualities about that that free you up to play in a little more wild way but in a very controlled wild way yeah, and it's yeah. like when you get down to the Specifics of those instruments, and you treat them like instruments instead of like um, something that's just funny or gimmicky. You, then you get paid back for doing that, and you you get something back that is really deeply special. I think, especially with guitar, blues guitar, slide guitar. And it taps you back in, like I said before, to the roots of where the guitar came from, you know. You know, what was also gimmicky was the electric guitar when it came out, you know. (laughs) You get laughed off the stage because, oh, no, that's not a real guitar. That's some gimmicky, you know, junk that's only going to be around for a few weeks, you know. Get that out of here. And um, they said the same thing, you know, about rock and roll. They say the same thing about every new thing that comes out, gets the same treatment, you know what I mean? Yeah, and until it's, it's because, not new anymore and it's just commonly accepted. And then it's accepted, and then, then, you know, those same people might make fun of people for not doing it. So, you know, it's like I, I love the idea of just just do what you want to do, you know what I mean, and do what feels right.
0: Well, and it's the music business, the emphasis on the word business, and at the end of the day, the way that people are going to make it or are making it in this business is selling their music, is selling merch, is selling I'll say tickets to live performances. And so if someone hears an MP3, they're going to have no idea what you played it on. So it really doesn't matter. And at the end of the day, you got bills that you got to pay just like the rest of us. So if what they hear in that MP3 moves them to buy a ticket to your next show or to purchase downloads of your music or whatever it is, then the job got done the way it did. Obviously, you want to move people with your music and make them feel something emotionally. But it doesn't matter what was used to record it, you know, just like I'm about to tell people about all the great gear that I use from Tascam, but I can't tell from listening to it what type of guitar that you were playing. I mean, obviously the maker of it, except when it's you making a a shovel guitar, the maker of it wants people to know, well, that's because it came from our guitar company and we hope you'll buy ours too. But I think you get the the point that i'm trying to make here oh
1: absolutely absolutely and i you know with my studio at home um when i'm recording albums and uh, recording music you know whatever it is that i'm recording for i've i've got an arsenal of uh both conventional sounds classic sounds and then sounds that maybe don't make sense to anyone else but i I'm, i've got them in my memory bank you know with one stringed instruments and um well, like uh, I think the song you're going to be playing uh, at the end of this interview, Black Heart of Gold, has an instrument. I mean, uh, yeah, Black Heart of Gold. It's got an instrument called a whamola, that um, It sounds like an engine revving, I think, to most people when they listen to it. But it's, um, it's this cobbled-together piece of wood with a big hinge on the top that um, there's no frets, and it's got an upright flat-wound bass string, wow. bass guitar string wow. on it. And you just basically go from a, a very limp string with no tension on it to turning the hinge and then it tightens the string up to whatever you tune it to and so you can make it sound like a a whale you know like whale song you can make it sound like a like a dinosaur you know whatever these things that like these images that it conjures but it's all just this one string and it's the way you put it together and it's the effects you put on it and the way you approach it and um I think I'm the only session whamolist in Nashville right now. I get called sometimes for sessions after people hear that and see that instrument just so that I can come in and and just hit this st- string you know in the <laughs> studio and make make it do cool stuff so you know that's was, what it's all about i was
0: half expecting to hear you talk about maybe analog versus digital and listeners you know in that case since i am going to talk about tascam i was going to wait to see if you're going to mention like the Porta studio or something like that but listeners tascam is still making great stuff after years and years and years they've been in business for more than 40 years now justin and i are using right now the tm60 microphones although back When I'm at home base and I'm not on location, I like to use the the TM280. It gives a nice low end that I really like for my voice. I've got an audio interface back there that I use called the Mini Studio, the US42, although we're using the DR44WL handheld recorder here at the Music City Center in Nashville. And there's people out there using all kinds of Tascam stuff. If you've been listening to this show for a long time, thank you. You know that a lot of the guests have spoken up after I talk about Tascam and say that they've used their stuff too everything from demos if you're recording on your own you want to do an ep all the way up to the professional touring musicians house of worship there's task stuff everywhere if you want to record your live shows there's all kinds of recording solutions get on task t-a-s-c-a-m.com and look at the long line of inventory that they have available and then find a dealer so justin you're an independent artist no label, no industry support. Tell, tell the up-and-coming artists who listen to this show how, how you've done that and, and what you have found the biggest challenges to be.
1: Well, I think that, you know, there's a. it's always like this double-edged sword when people think about um, the industry, like the music business. And most people talk about the music business like it's this, this evil thing, you know. And, I mean, there's plenty of stories to justify that, that you know, um, uh, statement. Um, but you could say that about any business really. And you know, at the bottom line is that the music business, the business side of it isn't about music. It's about money. You know, it's about business and it just happens to be about music. And I think that's why a lot of artists who care about music, that's what they do. That's what they want to do. And that's what they want to think about and put their time into, um, You know, it can be a blessing for some people to say, I don't want to learn business. I don't want to learn how to do marketing. I don't want to learn how to be a publicist. I don't want to do this and that. I don't want to book my own shows and do all of that. Um, And if that's the case, then you're going to need the music business to do all those things for you. That's right. And that's the challenge, though, as an independent artist, is, is that if you are doing it yourself you have to become passionate about those things. Maybe try to think about it like that I'm using the other side of my brain now, you know, this isn't my creative side. This is the side of me that I have to do business with now. And, um, don't think of that as a bad thing. You know what I mean? Think about that as a challenge or think about that as a good thing. Or a lot of people are really good at that, you know, and they can do both uh, seamlessly. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's the challenge, though, is you have to learn how to become your own marketer. You have to learn how to do all of those tasks that a label might normally do for you. But then if you succeed at it and you keep persevering through the inevitable challenges that come from years and years of trying to tread through that, feeling like maybe you're outnumbered by the industry or the industry is, you know, bigger than you. And so it's going to be hard to compete with that kind of thing. Um, you know, you do that, but then you find once you get some, once you get a foothold, once you get an audience and you work for that audience and you tour and you build it up one fan at a time and you show your appreciation for your fan base and you connect with them and you find this is growing, this is working, you own the rights to your music. You are the one that makes the money when you sell an album. You know what I mean? You're not making pennies on the dollar and the rest is going to someone that maybe doesn't you don't even like you know maybe maybe you don't agree with their the way that they handle but you signed a piece of paper maybe a year ago saying too bad they get to do yeah. it you know i don't
0: like and them but they got they got my music out there yeah exactly <laughs> and that's
1: those are the horror stories about the industry you know and i mean the thing like the thing i love about you know what when when i met my wife nikki we we decided we're going to do this together and and we sold everything we own. like i said before we bought this small repo rv i've never i never driven anything bigger than an SUV at the time, but you know, we put all of our cards on the table and we said, you know, if, if this doesn't work, at least we can say that we did everything we could do to make this work, you know? And, um, I remember playing shows. Um, and if I didn't make enough tips and sell enough CDs of this show, I wouldn't even make it to the next show. I didn't have the gas money to make it to the next show, you know, and really just putting it all on the line. And, um, you know, what comes from that is an audience that can see that and then they, and they connect with you for what you actually do musically artistically not from what someone says oh you would do good in this market or you look like a country singer you should be a country singer maybe you want to sing rock and roll yeah. doesn't matter this yeah. is what's popular now you get to make your own decisions as an independent artist You get to connect with your fans and give your fans exactly what they're there for, you know. But
0: I have to imagine that another thing that you probably learned along the way, because you were talking about now you are the marketing department and now you are the accounting department and now et cetera, et cetera, is I bet you had to learn about time management because you do have to cover so much ground all by yourself and the creative inside of you just says, "I just want to go and play the guitar." It's exactly. like, "Well, okay, there will be a time for that later, but right now we're working on this."
1: Exactly. That's that's so true. And you know, um, that's what that's what we've done is we've we've had to be, you know, had to learn. Oh, you want a poster? You got to learn graphics design. You know what I mean? Or you can't afford to pay someone to do it, but you have to compete with the people that can. You want a, a website? Got to learn how to build a website. You know, you got to figure out the. Uh, how, how it works online you want to build a social media following you want to connect with people without label support. social media is such a blessing right now for artists that if you're not taking that seriously um it's you know it's like trying to run a run a marathon with no legs at this point <laughs> you know with trying to build a fan base like that. It's such a great tool, but at the same time it's it takes so much time it takes so much effort and you have to be just as passionate about building that career as you do about practicing and and then you can't stop practicing either though you know it's not just about building a career you have to make sure that there's real substance behind what you're marketing or you might as well not even you know (laughs) you might as well
0: just go practice some more you know so it it really is a balancing act yeah Yeah, yeah, exactly well you've been fortunate enough to collaborate co-write and co-produce albums with country music royalty John Carter Cash, who has said that you are one of his favorite current artists. How did the two of you meet? Well, it, it was
1: it was so organic. You know, when we um, when Nikki and I came to Nashville here, um, we heard about Cash Cabin Studios, which is the studio that John Carter Cash owns now. Um, it's where all of Johnny Cash's uh, American recording collection was recorded actually used to be uh johnny cash's hunting cabin and um when rick rubin and johnny cash got together they turned it into a studio they started recording there and it's expanded and um, john carter cash owns and now he's expanded it's a beautiful private studio it's just filled to the ceiling with mojo you know and just like (laughs) the spirit there and um we we just saw that, you know reached out to him online he seemed like such a humble person uh nikki found out uh I don't even know how she does half of what she does, honestly, <laughs> but, um, she reached out to him online and, um, we had a meeting and we talked about the ideas that we had for recording our next album that we wanted to record here in, in Nashville. And it would ended up being, um, the If Walls Could Talk album, my If Walls Could Talk album. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where we met him and we immediately had such an easy and, and good rapport. He ended up producing that album after we spoke about it, you know, and, um, we got to know each other more through that process. He um, produced and actually sang on the album after that, Driving It Down, and then my last album, Turquoise Trail. So, and um, Recently, uh, I just uh, co-wrote with him and uh, co-produced his last album, which is going to be coming out soon, or his next album, called Hey Crow.
0: I was going to ask you to, to tell the listeners about Johnny Cash Forever Words and let them know what that project is. You were chosen to perform and, and co-produce songs for the second installation of that
1: so that's that's uh, work. they're working on that right now um and um i've i've recorded several with several artists and several tracks for that album but what's so cool and they've, they've released the first one already um and um that one you should if you haven't heard of it or haven't heard it yet you should definitely go check it out the forever words album and so when johnny cash wrote all of these beautiful um poems that could have ended up being songs or maybe just poems but he had so many uncompleted songs basically these lyrics and um john carter cash um uh, worked to put these lyrics out as a book so there's a book forever words with all of these poems but then um he organized these artists some um, a collection of amazing artists who basically said complete these songs with me you know and uh And so it's um, the whole project is about taking those poems and completing that last step of that journey uh, musically and turning these into songs. And so it's been a huge honor to work with uh, the artists that I've worked with, uh, you know, on the songs that I've been part of with this collection. And so when the next series comes out, which there's no uh, there's no time on it right now, you know, I wish I could say a release date or something like that. But um, check out the first one. And then when it comes out later, definitely check out the second one.
0: And listeners, I'll put a link on the show page for this episode at NHTE.net, but it conjures up memories of when I interviewed Roy Orbison Jr. If you never heard that one, go back and listen to episode 205 when me and Roy Jr. talked a lot about some of these similar things in terms of the legendary Roy Orbison. Uh, that We covered a lot of ground back on that interview. Um, I'm going to give Justin a chance to catch his breath here because this is quite an impressive list that I'm about to read off. But again, I do like to ask a lot of how-to type questions on this show because there are a lot of listeners who are aspiring performers that are trying to learn from the success that my guests are having. And I think what happens a lot of times is I'll ask my guests about things they've accomplished and they just say, yeah, I was really blessed to have that happen. That was really great. It was a lot of fun. And they don't understand that I'm actually trying to get them to help these listeners and say, how did you actually do that? So listeners, Justin's music has been licensed to dodge motor company ken burns florentine films the discovery channel animal planet pbs scores of independent film the, the list keeps growing legendary filmmaker david lynch was recently asked by pitchfork magazine what current musical artist he would most like to work with and he cited none other than justin johnson so how have you gotten your music out to so many different people and companies when again you keep telling us about how you're doing this all yourself with your wife I really think because it's, it's different for
1: everybody, you know, and that's the, it's a hard question to answer. Um, cause like we, you know, Nikki and I talk about it sometimes and it's like, we have no idea, you know, a lot of times, <laughs> you know, how did, how did this happen or how did this, this opportunity come? Um, because you know, you're always wanting those things so bad. I think anyone who does something professionally is always yearning for the next opportunity. And, um, All I can say is that every one of those opportunities came about in a slightly different way. Um, But it came from us putting ourselves out there every day as much as we can in whatever form we can. And usually it feels like radio silence or something like that. You know what I mean? It feels like maybe no one's listening a lot of the time. And um, even when you know people are, people say that they're listening, it's like, you wonder who 's listening, or you wonder if the people you want to work with are out there listening to you um, because it 's hard to you know directly reach out to most people and get any kind of uh, response back you know people who people who have to be guarded with their opportunities and careers and things like that, and I feel like that 's what you 're asking about in a lot of ways is is breaking through to those types of opportunities and I can say that just about everyone that's, that 's that i 've ever had is someone who 's reached out to me because mm. I've put myself out there Outstanding. and not been afraid of people saying that's weird or that's different or I don't understand that or wait, that's not what people are supposed to be doing right now. Um, it's better. I think in a lot of ways, if it's not what people are doing right now, because if you can be different, you stand out more. And if what you Absolutely. do, um, say one of my favorite quotes, um, artistically is the Thelonious Monk quote. And he said, um, a uh, man is a genius uh, who's most like himself. Or a genius is a man who's most like himself. And um, what that means to me is that you think about what you do better than anybody else and lean on that with all your weight. You know, don't don't try to water it down. Don't try to think, well, I don't know, people are going to make fun of me for this or this is going to be weird or maybe people aren't asking for this or this isn't that kind of venue, you know what I mean, or some keep going with it and be ready for criticism and enjoy the criticism if you can, you know, because that's, what's going to get you out there. That's what's going to put you in front of more people. And that's, what's going to inspire people to think, you know, people don't want the same thing all the time. You know, people don't want, you know, they don't want to put the same kind of music. Let's say it's just like film film, for example, um, just about every filmmaker I've worked with is looking for something different they're sick of the stock music that's available Yeah. that's in every other movie yeah. they're st- sick of the same effects they're sick of the same you know oh it's like this has been done to death we want someone who's doing something fresh that feels like something though it, yeah. it has an emotion to it I don't
0: mind saying that last night I went out to listen to music because you're in Nashville and that's what you gotta do and I finally heard something that got my attention because it was different mm-hmm. and so many performers had gotten on stage previously, and I just kind of sat there and enjoyed my meal because I thought this is doing absolutely nothing for me because it all sounds the same. And finally, I literally turned my body completely because this really got my attention. So it is refreshing. And there's also a saying out there, something to the effect of be yourself because everyone else is taken in other words don 't try to copy someone else that 's already been done. just just be yourself so i I like your commitment to authenticity and, and originality yeah I think I think
1: that 's what it 's all about you know and And when I first started performing solo, I remember um, you know trying to write press releases, trying to write um bios, which like we hate writing bios it 's so hard for us to just talk about ourselves you know and that 's one of the things that we we get frustrated with um, as professionals sometimes trying to present ourselves um, in, in a way like that, but, um, you know, what, um, what I found is, you know, I'd been, I'd been performing professionally for 10 years at this point when I went solo and, um, you know, full time, that was my first job I ever had was playing music and I've been doing it ever since. And we were trying to look for a single mention of my name in any press, any news, any quote I could get to add to our press kit. Couldn't find a single one out of 10 years. And, When I started doing my own thing, which was different and challenging, and it's harder to book a solo instrumental guitar player that no one's ever heard of, you know what I mean? But uh, as soon as I started doing that, we started noticing a difference in the career. We started noticing that it was different when people do like it. When people do book, they want to book more, and people like it more because it's different. And people that connect with it connect with it more deeply because it's different and it's something that inspires them, you know. And I, awesome. I That's what I would say more than anything to people, che- like dealing with those challenges of being an independent artist and trying to find an identity in this industry, which can be so confusing.
0: I'm on location at the Summer NAM Show in Nashville with artist Justin Johnson. Check out his website at justinjohnsonlive.com. We will have a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And engage with him on social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, links to all of those from his website. Do engage with Justin on social media, but more importantly, support him. You can purchase his music online from his website as well as on Amazon Music and iTunes. Yes, you can stream it and follow him on Spotify, but support him best by purchasing downloads of his music from his website or Amazon or iTunes. In terms of this show, you can be a supporter through the Patreon for NHTE. Go to patreon.com NHTE or just go to the show website nhte.net and click on the orange support us on Patreon button. If this show has given you anything that you feel moved to give back, I'd appreciate whatever level you're comfortable giving at. If you find value in this show, whether it's the education from me and my guests, if you just find entertainment value, what do you feel you want to contribute? Look at the Patreon campaign, go to nhte.net, and click on the orange Support Us on Patreon button. Justin, I mentioned back in the intro, you are the founder of Roots Music School here in Nashville, and you've released an instructional series on Roots music technique and theory, and you've also partnered with educators across the country to develop Roots music curriculum for schools, that's that's fantastic. Just, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about those initiatives because all this stuff that we're talking about is important. But that's really great to hear of you giving back to music and education that way. Yeah, and you know that's something I'm I, I love doing.
1: I'm very passionate about, and um, it's kind of like as soon as I learn something, I want to I want to pass that along. You know what I mean? And um, especially, I think that the idea of Roots Music School started very naturally when I was on the road full-time and everywhere we'd go you know um, I'd start when I started getting interested more and more into roots instruments and homemade instruments and how it connected with the history of blues music and American music and and then worldwide music and then I'd meet more people who would bring out unique instruments to shows or you know something that might have one string on it or three strings or four strings and what's what's great is that like I said before you don't feel as confined by rules and, and like this uh, voice in your head saying, this has to sound, I have to play a certain way. But what's challenging is if you don't know much about theory or you're not experienced on any kind of instrument or guitar, how do you play an instrument like that? There's no instruction for it. You know, uh, you, you, it's very hard to ask someone, even a, an experienced guitar player who's used to playing six-string guitar, They don't know how to play a three-string guitar. They would have to make something up and, you know, figure it out from the ground up. It's a different instrument in a sense. And that came very naturally to me. Uh, The first time anyone ever handed me a a Roots instrument, it was a four-string cigar box guitar, and they handed handed it to me on stage during a show. And I'd never played one, and I just kind of invented a tuning and started playing it, you know, And, and that inspired me to think, like, wow, I'm playing things that I'd never played before. But so when when we were meeting more and more people I kept getting the same questions about these instruments asked to me time and time again and found out that I actually had a very natural talent for explaining these things and for helping people get the fundamental knowledge of what they needed to quickly learn like some some basic framework to develop, uh, you know, to have fun, play music, you know, And, and I always I'm very passionate about having fun on instruments when you start them, have fun on it, you'll be a player for life. Uh, get headbutted with theory right off the bat and posture and all of these things it's like <laughs> there's certain things you need to know certain things will either bore you to death or intimidate you into not wanting to play anymore and so it's like I like to get people having fun on an instrument and learning sometimes with one finger you know to begin with if and that's what's cool about some of these roots instruments and so I started teaching workshops on the road And um, uh, actually, put out a few instructional DVDs uh, that we had to learn how to do that. You know, talking about learning how to do it, we had to learn how to film, how to record the audio, how to do video editing, how to figure DVD authoring, all of that. We had to learn how to do that and make these DVDs. And so, um,
0: but essentially, what you were doing
1: was you were monetizing the
0: frequently asked questions section of your website. Exactly, and and, (laughs) and
1: serving a really, you know, feel like important need for what people were asking me for time yeah, and time sure. again. And, uh um, sure. and so, and it was an extension of the workshops I was doing and, and those were an extension of the shows I was doing. And so, um, as it developed, I started, you know, becoming more known for it, you know, these kinds of things and, um, put out a uh, book and put out more DVDs. And at this point uh, I've got, you know, a dozen DVDs and books like, you know, series, both six string to one string three string four string slide guitar you know um roots blues delta blues open tuning standard tunings like all the things that that get uh, i get the most questions about but then working with schools was a a natural progression from that and uh, one of the coolest things i think that that i've ever done was um was a teacher in uh in oregon reached out to me and he had a whole class of um what grade was it Nikki? um uh, trying to third third or fourth grade, I think um, was several years ago, but um it was about one hundred and fifty students. It was the whole grade level built their own three string cigar box Whoa, guitars with wow. this teacher, and we worked out a plan together um, we 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 kind of worked online and over the phone to devise this uh, lesson plan and how he was going to teach them to build and then I was going to come in for a week and teach every kid in that grade level how to play um, a twelve bar blues and so and what's great is it ended up winning some awards for it, um, education awards, because we somehow, you know, through doing this, in, we involved engineering, it involved math, um, both on the building side and it also on the playing side, learning 12-bar blues, you're counting measures, you know, 12 measures, you do four measures of this, you're counting notes per, for each measure, you know, and you're doing this complicated math, multitasking on an instrument that you engineered and built yourself.
2: that's true. And
1: um, it, it was also really interesting how, you know, I learned more about how to teach kids and how there's this age group that I think these kids are at where if you don't teach them these uh, skills that they can do something on their own, then it's very hard to teach them that later in life, you know? And, and so we're not only teaching them music, teaching them an appreciation for art and for music and blues and history Um, but we're also telling them that if you can't go out and buy something, if you can't afford something in life, you have the skills to figure out how to build it. You can do it yourself, and that's, I think, even more important than what we taught them about music or guitars or anything like that. Yeah,
0: that's a great message, and it it segues nicely into uh, listeners. Justin has, gosh, probably about two dozen endorsements. You'll see them on his website when you go look at his website, but Ciari has a very cool travel guitar, called The Ascender that is officially being released here at Summer NAM And it's exactly what Justin was talking about, born out of necessity. Gosh, there is nothing that I can travel with on an airplane without having to fear that it's going to get damaged. So that's how this was born is how about a guitar that you can fold in half that will fit under the seat in front of you and will still open back up and play as though nothing had ever been done to it. And you've been performing at their booth numerous times during the NAM show, tell the listeners about that guitar your relationship with Ciari. oh well it's it's funny
1: because i've got one right under the seat here with me and it's like no one ever knows i have a guitar with me because of these it's really cool but um i actually met them for the first time last year uh at summer nam here in nashville and uh nick and i were about on the way out actually it was the last day and i saw these um airplane seats they brought these like part of their booth and um, it just brings back bad memories, you know, of like times <laughs> when I've had to check my guitars or, you know, uh, try just desperately to, to pack these guitars in what I think is going to be a good enough case to get them through, um, you know, the airport and to other countries. It's such a stressful experience. And so um, meeting them last year, they showed me this guitar, and it's a beautiful, I mean, they're top-of-the-line boutique electric guitars. And the neck just, you hit a lever, the neck just folds right in half and it's it's awesome i've never seen anything like it and um they've won already won a lot of awards and they're just releasing the guitar today for their their innovation they um uh jonathan who started spengler started the company um he was working with um in the medical field with medical patents and so it's a lot like it's funny because it kind of the way it bends it looks like a prosthetic knee or something <laughs> like that you know the way That's it good works analogy and, um, a lot of the engineers who helped develop this guitar worked in the medical field and I think they even had a couple a couple uh, engineers from NASA help them at one point and so the science behind it the engineering behind it is amazing but at the heart of it it's it's what you want it to be it's a guitar that you actually feel like I'm not playing a uh, a toy guitar or a cheap guitar or something like that when I'm using a travel guitar it's it's as nice as any guitar you'll find and um it, it's just a really cool invention i'm glad to be associated with them and helping them with the release this year it's cool
0: and it's also a nice testimony to the type of business that's get that gets done at nam the type of relationships that you can build build by by coming to the summer and or the winter nam show any other connections among your two dozen endorsements that were made here at nam oh man so many you know um
1: uh Hughes and kettner um who i'm a uh the, who makes great amps? Well, amps alone, uh, Husen Kettner and uh, Blackstar, uh, Blue Guitar—they came up with a great uh, portable amp, and it looks like a guitar pedal, but it's actually a hundred watt uh, guitar head, and um, it just sounds incredible. And you walk around here at NAMM, and um, it just—you're right here in the beating heart of the, you know, the music industry as it relates to products and as it relates to instruments, and everyone's bringing out their a game and they want to show everyone what they have and so um you know as an artist coming here and having so many friends and having so many business associates who i've worked with over the years they're all in this room you know so it's like walking around your favorite neighborhood and you just gotta <laughs> go uh, go from door to door just catching up with people seeing what they've done the last six months since winter nam and uh i was just over at the game changer audio booth and um they're a, a group of uh, young, enthusiastic um, music fanatics from Latvia, and um, they just keep coming out with the craziest guitar effects. And, they, and what's great with the, them is they take an approach that they—they're they're only going to release, you know, one product a year. Basically, they're not going to release 700 pedals. and it gets like a, it's like a blizzard of pedals. You don't know what does what. Um, but the stuff that they come out with, they no one else has thought of and it's really inspiring to see what they've come out with next or what they've come out with last and so i was just over there getting a master class on some of this you know rocket science engineering that they're doing and um Amazing. and it's like they're all kids it's awesome you know Amazing. And, and and they're just so enthusiastic about it and well, we're
0: almost out of time but can you just briefly just give us the short version but just recount for the listeners what happened when you were recording "Dark Was the Night, Cold Was the Ground" by Blind Willie Johnson on New Year's Eve, 2013, <laughs> so
1: um, you know this is our first album, my first solo album, and um, when Nikki and I were talking about the concepts for this album, she she thought, "Well, this is a blues album. It's your first album. It's, you know, and we did, we made it a double album. So let's do the first disc at Sun Studio, where you know." I'll, a lot of our heroes did their first albums and recorded their first songs, like Elvis and Johnny Cash, Roy Orbison, Jerry Lee Lewis. And uh, so, we, but the second disc, um, and this, this, al- this whole album was done on homemade instruments. You know, this is the concept for it. Uh, every instrument on it we p- uh, played was uh, something that was made out of found objects from someone we knew. And so the second disc, we said, we want to do the same album, but we want it to be pre-World War II. Like if I had made this album in the 30s. And so all of the instruments I used were homemade instruments that I got on loan from a museum. And they're all cigar box instruments that are pre-World War II. They were built in the 30s, or I think one the earliest one was in the 1880s it was mm-hmm. built. Amazing. And since a lot of them were unplayable, um, we actually uh, teamed up with a couple engineers who we all devised this, uh, this crazy uh, system for um, running the strings so that the linear string tension would be held by this brace, but so that it would actually vibrate the original nut and bridge of the guitars. Wow. Wow. And I'd be able to play them like lap steels, basically. But you'd hear instruments that you actually couldn't string up and play today <laughs> without this brace system. And I only used strings that would have been around pre-World War II, um, we only used uh, the slide I used was actually a New York Department of Health water testing glass from the, mm. from like the 1920s and so it, and we wanted to go somewhere that, that would have been historically inspiring for this and so we went to, we took the Sun Studio engineers down to the Mississippi Delta. We did some of the uh, album in an old sharecropper shack and it, uh, it was over New Year's, so it was I think the hottest it ever got indoors was like mid 50s it was just miserable in a lot of ways but it made you feel like you were there you know <laughs> but one of the coolest experiences i've ever had you know as a guitar player i always wanted to play at the crossroads you hear those stories about robert johnson you know and you like and so there's part of this this legend of going down to the crossroads and playing and i didn't want to make a deal with the devil or anything like that but i did want to Find out, you know, where is the crossroads? I want to go there. I want to play guitar there. If the devil comes, I'm going to tell him no thanks. But, you know, it's like I, I want this, this to be part of my life as a guitarist, you know? And so we, we decided, well, let's record there. And we found this location. It was actually, we found these old directions from uh, Tater Red, who's this voodoo practitioner on Beale Street. He's a famous, uh, there's a store there now that was like, you know, I think his grandson owns or something called Tater Red's. But, found these old directions and it's like a it was like a like um, you know Scooby-Doo episode or something we, we all piled <laughs> into this van with this recording gear and we we like chased down this haunted place you know and and by the time we got there it was so creepy man it, it was it was so dark we tried to get down there early to scope it out but we couldn't and it was um it was like 10 o'clock when we got there at night in the winter time below freezing Uh, It was the darkest night of the lunar calendar, so it was pitch black, no street lights, out in the middle of the delta, uh, dirt roads. There was an old church on this plant. It was on this old plantation, one of the most famous plantations, where uh, Sun House was actually, he worked there, and um, Money Waters uh, worked there. Um, And it was this old church there. All the graves were all, like, homemade tombstones and stuff right there at the crossroads. and. So we set this up. We kind of lost track of time. I was tuning. It was so cold, the tuners on this old guitar froze. And I oh my I, I was actually down a fifth from what I would normally tune in. Oh so my the gosh. strings were floppy. And it was this tuning I'd never played in. But I had to figure out how to do it because it's the only tuning the guitar would, would go to. And the first song that I played was I wanted to play a song. Um, one of my favorite, one of the best old blues songs ever recorded it was uh, Dark Was the Night, Cold Was the Ground um, by Blind Willie Johnson. And we checked the mics up. I played this song. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it now. (laughs) And right at the end of the song, and you can hear this on the album, it was, coincidentally, it was the Stroke of Midnight. And miles away, off in the distance, you hear fireworks right at the end of the song. I almost on cue. It was so creepy and so magical. (laughs) And because the delta, there's hardly any trees, and it's so flat, sound carries. So it sounded like gunshots going off, like, uh, over my head. And, um we just knew at that moment it was it was this is the right place at the right time we're doing this like this is what it's all about just yeah. following that journey I was say
0: it was so creepy so magical and so worth it
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was funny too and ironically it was uh, dark was the night cold was the ground was the song it was uh the darkest night of the lunar calendar m- midnight on new year's eve and it was 27 degrees out. Oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. The puddle I was uh, sitting next wow. to froze actually while we were recording Wow there but um, oh, my gosh so yeah a, <laughs> we got our blues experience on that one for sure.
0: Well we're going to close with a song of yours called Black Heart of Gold before we let you go tell the listeners all about this song
1: Well this song is um, this song is off of my last album, turquoise Trail And again you hear that you hear it sounds like an engine revving in this. that's that one string whamola I was talking about going through a fuzz pedal. Um, this one was, uh, co-produced by, uh, John Carter Cash and Chuck Turner. Um, and, uh, just, you know, another one, this one was inspired when, uh, Nikki and I were on the road down in Santa Fe. We, we, we got married down there. We, we wrote all of these songs for this album in about a week while we were down there in Santa Fe. And it was just like the, the music just came out. It was just magical. But this song to me, you know, in the title, Black Heart of Gold, is sort of about the road you know it's about the idea that it's um you know the road has a heart of gold and it's it's an amazing place but it's also a dangerous place and it's a place that can you know tempt you and and into things you want to do and you're glad you did but also things you don't want to do and you should never do and so it's that sort of duality and that juxtaposition I think that is what makes it so intriguing you know it's like it's like what people like about pirates you know it's like this <laughs> this magic uh this magic uh juxtaposition so that's what this song sort of encapsulates to me and i try to get those messages out even on instrumental songs through through the music and through the vibe of it awesome
0: awesome great stuff great to meet you justin congratulations on all your success and continued best wishes i appreciate you making time for now here this entertainment well hey thanks thanks for being here and uh thanks for listening you guys Absolutely. Listeners, that'll do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to, I should say, multi-instrumentalist, but I'm just going to say guitarist Justin Johnson. Do visit his official website. It's justinjohnsonlive.com. And again, we will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And then engage with him on social media. So that means like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram subscribe to his youtube channel and then watch and like the videos on there for that matter tell him you heard him and his music on now hear this entertainment remember that his music is streaming on spotify you can follow him on there however please support him by purchasing music from his website amazon music itunes all the usual online retailers purchase legal downloads of his music and look for live dates for where and when you can go see him perform live this show is on Patreon. If you want to support Now Hear This Entertainment, go to nhte.net and click on the orange button that says support us on Patreon, or you can go directly to patreon.com nhte. If you're not familiar with the concept, it is not like crowdfunding. This is not a 30-day campaign. This is ongoing. You get to decide what level you feel comfortable contributing at. If you feel you've gotten value from this show over the years, over the months, over the weeks, whatever it is, and you want to give back, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. I am an independent artist myself. This is my art. This show is what I give to the music community. So please give at whatever level you feel comfortable and know that I do truly appreciate it and that the money does go towards continuing now here this entertainment Again, go to nhte.net, look for the orange button that says support us on Patreon. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out with another song from Justin Johnson. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Black Heart of Gold.